0: It's June 24th, 2020. Welcome to the new reality edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. First up, uh, we're going to have Mary Smith from Hawaii Pacific University and AFSIA, and she's here to tell us about the Merit Scholarship Award application. And then uh, we'll be joined by Brendan Crisu from Upspring Media and Michael Kamita from NUIX. And we're going to be talking about Aloha Trace, Safe Path, and Contact Tracing. Of course, now I want to welcome Mary Smith uh, to the show. She's a professor over at HPU and uh, also part of AFCIA, uh, I guess the sort of the foundation part of FCA. And she's here to talk about the uh, scholarship application. Welcome to the show, Mary.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Bert. Yeah, I wanted to get the word out about AFCIA's uh, Hawaii Educational Foundation. Well,
0: before before um, we actually get into that, I mean, I, I know that I, I, we've mentioned AFCIA before, but just give us what the acronym means.
1: Actually, it used to be... Armed acronym,
0: Forces something, 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 right? Armed
1: Forces Communication Electronics Association. Right. But there has been an, a, a, a name change. Now we're just going with AFCIA. Is that and right? not an acronym. Oh, that was uh, something I found out um, just a couple months ago because I was still s- spelling it out.
0: <laughs> well, but isn't FCS? But it's still affiliated primarily with the armed forces, right?
1: It is. Yes, it uh, FCA Hawaii. You know, it's a local uh, chapter mm-hmm. of an FCA International, which you know brings together military, government, and other industries as well as academia. Kind of brings them together to uh, look at and talk about different aspects of the information technology, mm-hmm, uh, communications, mm-hmm. and electronics and then, capabilities.
0: Tell us a little about a uh, little bit about the uh, the nonprofit side of it, the uh, foundation side of it.
1: Yeah, AHEF. We call it AHEF, FCA Hawaii Educational Foundation. Mm-hmm. Its main purpose really is to help uh, educate uh, Hawaii-based people, whether they be students going for an undergraduate or graduate degree, or we even have some teacher scholarships available also. Um, But we want to motivate men and women of Hawaii, servicemen and women, veterans and wounded warriors and their family to pursue their educational goals by offering scholarships.
0: And these are all in the STEM arena, right?
1: Yes, it is related to the STEM and cyber
0: mm-hmm. areas. Mm-hmm. And and um, typically, you know, each year, how much is is allocated to this scholarship?
1: You know, in some years, we've given up to ninety to one hundred thousand dollars in scholarships. Um, depends on the year and um, how many applicants we receive and mm-hmm. um, the money available.
0: And and uh, typically, how big of a scholarship are are you awarding?
1: Anywhere from two to five thousand dollars. Um, there's some kind of specific scholarships that are out there for somebody studying a certain field within STEM, and then there's other general scholarships that kind of encompass um, students going. Within Hawaii or outside of Hawaii to further their education in the STEM and cyber field.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, are you uh, kind of gearing this to college, uh, actually high school graduates, right, that are going to college? Maybe within... high
1: school and um, college students. Mm-hmm. So, I many times tell my students about it because they're in the STEM fields, but also uh, we get the word out to high school. Graduating seniors,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: and and typically on the you know any given year, do you uh, have uh, an an overabundance of applications, or or do you have money left over?
1: Well, it depends. Like I a few years ago, were reviewing the applications, and it was maybe sixty applications. In the past years, because we've uh, been getting the word out, there might be two hundred applications. Oh yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, So it's, yeah, yeah. it's been growing, and we we love to see that and. and Hopefully, accommodate those people.
0: That's great. That's great. So, how 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 tough is the application process? It's
1: not too tough, but it's pretty thorough. So you have to make sure you include all the information asked for, things like transcripts and letters of reference, and you know. So there is quite a bit mm-hmm. that goes into the application.
0: Right. So uh, the application period is open, right? And and uh, there's a deadline.
1: Yes it is. The deadline is July 31st. Okay. So we're A little more to encourage anybody to check out the scholarships on our website and if you find one that fits your area then certainly send in an application.
0: Yeah, definitely. So the the URL is actually kind of long, right? I mean, I think it, I think it's it uh, um uh, sort of FCA Hawaii Education Foundation. So anyway, I'll put that up on our show notes for later on this evening for anybody interested in in finding more o- about the uh, uh, scholarship program and of course the deadline that you got to keep in mind is uh, July thirty first. And uh, thanks, Mary. Thanks, Mary, for joining us. Thank you so much, Bert. And, of course, we'll take a short break, and when we return, we'll be joined by Brandon Kirisu from Upstream Media and Michael Kamita from NUIX, and we'll talk about the contact, contact tracing and aloha trace. This is Bite Marks Cafe.
3: Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Chaminade University and Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company.
0: Welcome back to Byte Mark's Cafe, and of course, I'm happy to welcome Brandon Carissu and Michael Kamida. Brandon, of course, is the president of uh, AIO Digital, UpSpring Media, and Michael is an engineer at uh, software company uh, Nuix. And I want to welcome you both to Byte Mark's Cafe. Thanks, Thanks for having it. us. Yeah. Now, I'm. I'm. You know, we're always uh, interested in, in local, local. Um, software development, applications, you know, efforts to to create sort of our our tech sector. And and uh, I know that Aloha Trace kind of got started, obviously, for, um, you know, for this uh, pandemic. Uh, But uh, Brandon, I mean, give us a little bit of history on how Aloha Trace got started.
3: Sure. Um, I I think it was the first week of April uh, where we had launched Aloha Trace uh, in in collaboration with the NDPTC, mm-hmm. uh, the National Disaster Preparedness Training Center, and uh, and the University of Hawaii, uh, we were connected to uh, Carl Kim, who's the executive director of the NDPTC. Right. And um, and we were talking about ways to um, uh, you know provide a, a, a some kind of a surveillance tool to the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Yeah, one thing i want to mention is that aloha trace in its current state is not um contact tracing it's it's a syndromic surveillance tool
0: so um, what, okay so what was that word you use syndromic syndromic yeah. and, uh, 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 give me a definition of syndromic
3: i don't i don't know what that means
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's what its
0: called okay, okay, so it's basically a survey i mean in fact in fact, i had the Carl Kim on the radio uh talking about uh you know the um the n d p t c version of of uh, the survey and in essence, what he was trying to do is kind of get a get a sense as to where some of the cases might be popping up right and then but it it was um you didn't have to report your name or or any kind of personal information
3: is that correct right yeah, so, yeah, it's six questions, and it's you know completely anonymous and and secure.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So, uh, the main focus was on symptoms and and physical location. So, you know, we asked for uh, the nearest intersection to your residence. Um, so it's not, uh, you know, pinpointing your actual your a- address. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. So the nearest intersection to your to your residence and. Uh, From there, like, our guys are able to uh, geocode that data Mm -hmm. and and display it on a map. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
3: And right now we have a map, um, two versions of the map. One is uh, available on the org site, so that's available to the public. And um, that map is a little more uh, broader as far as uh, uh, having, you know, the the markers on the map. Mm -hmm. We don't want to be too precise with showing, you know, the location.
0: And but, uh, from your understanding, I mean, what is the what is the purpose of, of this? Is it to kind of give people a sense as to where uh, the you know the uh, coronavirus sort of exists in the community?
3: Yeah, that 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 was the goal, and we have a, a, another set of maps that's only a, uh, available through a secure login,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and um, that's available to the Department of Health. And um, and uh, some researchers at the University of Hawaii, and so that map shows some really interesting uh, data and insight. Um, you can actually see some of the clusters that you know that were in the news mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. on the map. Yeah,
0: and and uh, this is interesting. So, does the the map give you a sense of of, of time? Because since it's been online since April. you got April, May, June, you know, going into July. Uh, is there yep. a sense of how cases may sort of fade from the map if yeah. you're older?
3: Yeah. So the map that's available to the Department of Health, um, it's an interactive tool almost. So
2: mm-hmm. you
3: know, they're able to filter by date. Um, they're, they're able to filter by uh, symptoms. And they can see where people who have certain symptoms are, um, you know, located throughout the state. Um, or just people that are not feeling well in general, they can see sort of, you know, where these people are mm-hmm, throughout
0: mm-hmm. the state. Oh. Now, now, uh, Michael, tell me a little bit about how you got involved with this. And, and uh, uh, are you involved with Aloha Trace or are you involved with other aspects of, of uh, sort of the application development?
4: Yeah, so so I got involved because I care about privacy, I guess, mm-hmm, as, mm-hmm. as one of my one of my main things, and and sort of saw the ways that that some of the other countries were responding to, to coronavirus in, in sort of authoritarian surveillance state enabling big brother sort sort of ways, and mm-hmm. I was you know hoping that that we can do something other than that. So so I, I started volunteering for this group called COVID Safe Paths, which is now uh, also called Path Check, which is based out of, of MIT. And they're developing free open source software that puts privacy first in order to, to help tackle the, the threats that we're facing.
2: So, and what so was that, I've been volunteering for, for them
4: and using um, Brandon and partnering with Brandon and Hello Trace here locally as sort of the the local implementation team and, and helping to, to get the Department of Health on board and and you know just offer our our services to, to them
0: hmm and you mentioned a name uh, you said safe path is kind of kind of evolving into another another name
4: yeah essence? so so basically it, it started out as, as covid safe paths mm-hmm. um, and the group sort of expanded into needing two separate companies basically or two separate nonprofits where there's safe paths which is more dedicated to uh, the white paper side of things, and then they spun off PathCheck, which is their um, app development side.
0: I see, I see. And and what is uh, your work? I guess with with PathCheck. I mean, what is it? How does that relate to uh, Aloha Trace? Is it is it still a separate separate kind of uh, effort?
4: Um, well, no. I just Aloha Trace is the local integration. Group that 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 we're using for for the app. Mm-hmm. So you know, COVID Safe Pass is a MIT Harvard-based nonprofit, and and they're putting out a, a free open-source software under the the MIT license. That then each different uh, health authority or region is then going to have to to white label and and implement themselves.
2: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Now, uh, in terms of the uh, obviously application, the application will help to. Uh, maybe make the uh, idea of, of of contact tracing a little bit more uh, efficient. But maybe maybe what you could do is uh, explain a little bit about the manual process of contact tracing, just to kind of get a level set.
4: Yeah. So so contact tracing is is something that that we've been doing for you know hundreds and hundreds of years as a civilization, and that's really just once someone is confirmed to be you know carrying the virus identifying all of the people that they've come into contact recently that, that are you know at a higher risk or are potentially also you know infected themselves
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
4: and so right now essentially once that happens the department of health contact tracers are or investigators essentially reach out to these diagnosed patients and ask them who have you been in contact with over the past 14 days or whatever the time frame is based on when they started showing symptoms. Right. Right. And, and that's a process that's, you know, really dependent on memory because they're, they're literally asking a, a person that probably has a fever or at least some symptoms, right. Because they just tested positive and are probably, you know, a little anxious and, and worried because they just got some really bad news that they tested positive. And, mm-hmm. and the, the contact tracers are expecting them to remember, you know, where they've been and, and who they've been in contact with. and, you know even when you don't have a fever, that's really difficult to, to remember. So so we're really just trying to provide a way to aid people's memory. So so the idea behind the the app that, that we're working on is that it, it functions kind of like a, a notebook where it's just jotting down your location every five minutes. Mm-hmm. And that way in the event that you do test positive and you you have to remember where you've been and who you've been in contact with. You have that data at your fingertips to, to share with the Department of Health contact tracers to, to sort of aid and streamline that interview process. Because, you know, right now, as I said, right now, they're really relying on on just memory and, and you know, you're not feeling well and stuff like that. And um, some of the ways that some of the other countries are dealing with that problem of, of you know, you can't really rely on these people's memories are, are tending towards very surveillance state big brothery methods where they're, you know, integrating with facial recognition or looking at credit card transactions and, and stuff like that to sort of track down where you've been and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. and this is a way that we can improve the contact tracing interview process, make it more efficient, make it more accurate without needing to to sacrifice privacy and, and you know enable surveillance and be actively tracked in in, in any of those ways.
0: So, so Brandon, you know, in terms of uh, what uh, Michael just described, does that piece of the application now kind of get incorporated into Aloha Trace, and and I guess uh, the second part of that question is, and that data uh, stays with Aloha Trace until until perhaps if they uh, get a positive on COVID nineteen. Well,
4: so the, the data will stay with you on your device, right? And, and we're not actually ever collecting that data. Until you you know tested positive and you're consenting to to participate in that contact tracing interview process, mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then so uh, um, uh, Brandon, I mean, how how yeah. do you envision um, sort of incorporating that into Aloha Trace, or is, will would it be a separate application, or will you integrate it into Aloha Trace? Uh,
3: yeah, so uh, it, when that app rolls out, it's going to be separate from uh, from Aloha Trace. Um, Aloha Trace, we we were the ones that sort of uh, had their relationship with the Department of Health, mm-hmm, um,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and so we were able to sort of connect them with um, with Safe Path. and um, and you know re- and now everyone's sort of working together to create this application for Hawaii.
0: Oh, I see, I see, and and so um, Aloha Trace in and of itself is sort of already already. Uh, developed it's kind of already got its purpose and and so what you're doing now uh michael is is kind of creating the uh a new application that does this sort of data collection
4: yeah right so so a lot of traces as brandon said is that syndromic tracing which is really that that survey of what symptoms you have right Mm -hmm. um versus this which is a memory tool for the you know the true contact tracing interview process.
0: Right, right, right. You know, I I uh, I want to let people know that uh you know we're talking to Brandon Carisu and Michael Kamita. We're talking about Aloha Trace, uh, we're talking about Safe Path and and the idea of contact tracing. Uh and so so Michael, you know, in the in the development of of what you are creating um how does how does something like a Google Apple API sort of fit into you know these uh, sort of this this tool
4: set, or yeah does so, it oh, yeah, so so that's an interesting question, largely because it's subject to the whims of of Google and Apple, mm-hmm. so Google and Apple released their exposure notification API, but in order to use it, that they, uh, Google and Apple have made it such that that data cannot commingle with location data.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, they're really concerned with with privacy, and they don't want their um, exposure notification stuff to be, you know, used for nefarious ends. So, so they're mandating that that location data be be kept separate. the The downside of that is that you really need that location data and context to get a full. Picture of the the contact tracing graph.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
4: if you only because the the Google Apple exposure notification is really only going to do those Bluetooth based device to device contacts. Right. And and without that location data, you know, there's a whole bunch of, of people and in, in places that are missing. And not only that, even with the Bluetooth contact tracing app in in place, the Department of Health is still going to need to talk to you and have that contact tracing interview
2: Mm -hmm, so mm
4: -hmm. so this is something that that because of the google and apple rules has to be two separate apps so so we do have you know both of those apps available but but what we're focusing on in the in the short term is improving that existing contact tracing interview process
0: i see i see and and uh when we talk about the you know the google uh, apple api i mean and that's exposure notification and that's uh, in a situation where you're in a i don't know a crowded room and and you happen to uh, meet a certain set of specifications about duration and and proximity uh, that's when you might get triggered as a as a notification that you've got exposed you know to somebody that has covid-19 is that is that
4: correct correct yeah and and you know our app also has some some notification you know to it if you do you know if there are a chance that, that you come into contact with someone based on the location data mm-hmm. so so that's there as well but it's not as or it's a different kind of of potential contact than that that google apple device contact
0: right right so now these are these are separate applications uh and like you said the, the the main focus at this stage of the game is is really trying to get something to uh help enhance the uh contact tracing process. So um can you can you speak to uh let's say describing how the uh safe path would work uh, it's it's actually kind of giving a uh, a sense of location uh, throughout your you know you know given day when when you do get, let's say, uh, a positive, and you're in the interview, you're in the interview, and they're asking you, "So, who did you come into contact with?" What does the application actually show you?
4: Yeah. So, so once the, the interview process starts, your, your contact tracer is going to get a six-digit code that they're going to give to the, the user, and it works kind of like those one-time passwords or, or multi-factor authentication codes that, that you might get texted, mm-hmm. only this time the Department of Health would be reading out the six-digit number to you. And so you'd open up your app, and you punch in that six-digit code, mm-hmm. and that would then uh, securely transmit your location data to the contact tracer so that they can then like overlay that on, a, on an online map and sort of have a, a structure for, for the interview. You can think of the app really as, like I said, like a notebook where you're just jotting down your location. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. mean, it, it it'd be completely unreasonable for for to expect everyone to know where they've been and and how long they've they've been places. So but it's really easy for your phone to to keep track of that. So this is just like you know, making your phone remember all of the places that you've been. and And this is data that that your phone is already tracking but really only marketers and google and stuff like that are using in that data now so this mm-hmm. is going to make that data available to, to you to to help the contact tracer you know figure out where you've been
0: right 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 and then uh, so is it a, is it just a uh uh you know a bumping of your smartphone <laughs> how do you actually transfer the data to the contact tracer
4: um, so it's end-to-end encrypted through just through the internet. Once you punch in that code on your mobile app, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Uh, what does it go over Wi-Fi or you know is it just Bluetooth? Through the internet. Oh, just through the internet. And then, um, so so Brandon, I mean, in terms of um, the relationship that you have with the Department of Health, so these applications that are that are now being worked on, uh, you see, sort of this uh, relationship with the Department of Health. I mean, they will they will ultimately help uh, to roll this thing out to the public.
3: Um. Yeah, we're we're in discussions right now with uh, with them with the with C the Disease Outbreak Control Division, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which is uh, you know all of the the epidemiologists, um, and um, yeah, we're looking forward to uh, to rolling this out for Hawaii. Oh,
0: well, that's great. And then um, and so Michael, I mean, are you? Uh, I mean, you sounds like the the key kind of developer behind you know uh, these two. Applications, whether it's the uh, safe. Path I wouldn't or,
4: say developer. I would say more of a engineer, like implementer, deployment person. Because I'm not one of the people like actually writing the code. I'm not committing to GitHub or anything like that.
2: Uh-huh. Uh huh.
0: You know, but in terms of the actual finished product, I mean, uh, do where does the, the the actual let's say packaging of the application take place? Because let's say SafePath, as we if we talk about that, I mean, does it have to be uh, reskinned or repackaged for specific uh, Hawaii use.
4: Yeah, so so we are going to do that. It it doesn't have to be. So so if you're traveling from another region that that's running their own version of an app that has that SafePass backend, or even the plain SafePass app that is currently available on the App Store, they'll be able to to transmit their data to the Department of Health. Mm-hmm. But we're planning on on rolling out our our own especially branded version you know with our own logo and, and name and all that stuff because you know that's one of the great things that you can do with with open source software is just fork it and slap a new logo on it. Mhm
0: mhm. Do you have a do you have a sense of uh timing as to when this might become available?
4: Yeah, so we're hoping to do it, you know, by that that sort of August 1st that that we're planning on on opening up as as a state. So we sort of have that as a sort of target.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I mean I think that would probably be uh, be very useful given the fact that there's going to be uh, more, you know, more travelers, more visitors uh, coming to Hawaii at that point in time. Uh, how do you how do you see, um, you know, getting this to getting awareness of the the application and and you know getting people to actually download it? I mean, Brandon, I mean, you're the you're the you're the marketing guy. I mean, you're the, <laughs> you the you know uh, you've yep. got the you've got the vehicles by which to get people to you know. Know the app is available. I mean, how do you envision letting people know, and how to, you know, get enc- encouraging them to actually download this?
3: Yeah. So we, I mean, we're putting together some uh, PSAs um, that we'll roll out to to the different media outlets, mm-hmm. uh, including our our sister media companies, um, and uh, we're also working with uh, with Everyone Hawaii, which is um, uh, a a team of um, you know, younger sort of influencer uh, personalities that, you know, they were the ones that helped to bring the masks in um, uh, through Hawaiian Airlines.
2: Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm.
3: Um, they're going to help us sort of at a grassroots level, uh, you know, promote the promote the app.
0: So do the you, uh, will you be doing it kind of an, under an umbrella of like Aloha Trace, or are you going to come up with a whole new sort of branding?
3: Yeah, that's something we're still... Talking about um, it might be Aloha Trace. It might be uh, another completely different brand. Um, that's something that we're we're working with the Department of Health on finalizing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Well, j- just uh, make sure you keep me posted because I will be happy to get the word out. And and so, Brendan, okay. I mean, uh, where can people find? I know you mentioned it before, but you know, say it again. Where can people find more about uh, Aloha
3: Trace? Uh, you can go to aloha trace
0: very good. I'll put that up on our show notes. And uh, I want to thank uh, Brandon Carisu. He's the president of AIO Digital, and Michael Kamita, who's an engineer over at uh, Nunix. And of course, uh, I want to thank you both for joining us today.
3: Thanks, Bert, for, for having us. And of Thanks.
0: course, thank you for listening to Bite Mars Cafe. Join us next week when we'll talk about a novel way to use artificial intelligence to perform COVID 19 testing. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email me at bitemarks at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at Bitemarks. Our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on HBR1 every Wednesday anytime via the HBR app, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. You stay awesome. We'll see you next week on another edition of Marks Cafe.